Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited you would spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And so, uh, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, we've, we've called this uh, sermon series A Beautiful Mess. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and you're going to see why we call it A Beautiful Mess, all right? But before we get there, uh, i got to frame up today's message with, with a little story. So uh, my, uh, my brother-in-law is from northern Ontario, Canada, like up there, man, and he's like kind of the outdoorsy, kind of burly guy, that type of thing. And I remember that, you know, a few years ago, he calls me up and he's like, bro, we're going on a guy's trip, like men only. He says, man, we're going to go, we're going to go way up north. Uh, We're going to fish, drink beer. We're going to eat meat, no vegetables because we're men, right? And, and so uh, he says, listen, uh, we're going to, we're going to fish. We're going to sleep in tents. We're going to pee outside. It's going to be amazing. Okay. And uh, for the record, None of that sounds appealing to me, but I didn't want to lose my man card. And so I'm like, sure, bro, I'm in there. He says, fantastic. There's only one thing you have to do and you have to get this right. And he says, you need to bring a five-star sleeping bag. I'm like, no problem, bro. But in reality, I have no idea what a five-star sleeping bag even is, okay? And sure enough, I, I kind of forgot about it and, you know, kind of went up north. And, and at the last minute, I had to grab the only sleeping bag we had in our house, which is this, my daughter's Beauty and the Beast sleeping bag. <laughs> so uh, uh, you can imagine when we get up to northern Ontario, there's ice on the lake. I can't begin to tell you how cold it was. And as I'm snuggled in my daughter's Beauty and the Beast sleeping bag, I'm asking Jesus to kill me. <laughs> and so uh, by God's grace, my brother-in-law let me suffer a little bit. And then he's like, bro, I brought you an extra sleeping bag, a five-star sleeping bag. And so I mentioned all that to, to, to say this, you know, for my brother-in-law to, to uh, kind of demand of me uh, to have a five-star sleeping bag, not a, not a four-star, not a three-star, a five-star sleeping bag, uh, it wasn't oppressive, it wasn't cruel of him, it was actually quite kind, right? Uh, it, it led to uh, my flourishing and the flourishing of the other guys, because I'm assuming if I died on the trip, uh, it might have wrecked the vibe, you know? But uh, And so, uh, in the same way, do you know that, um, that, that there's, a, there's a standard that we have as Christians, a standard that we're called to live under, and that is this, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And here's the great news. As we sit under the standard of Jesus uh, and his word, get this, it leads to our good and God's glory. But to come out from under the standard, uh, of the word of God is to what? It's going to not be good for you, uh, nor the good of the world. And here's what else happens. You remove yourself from under the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you'll have to stand before God on the day of judgment in your own righteousness. And just like I was found lacking in my beauty in the beast sleeping bag, you will be found lacking. And so um, our text today, as I mentioned, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and 
I've been meaning to mention this on the, on the broadcast for the last couple of weeks, and so we'll do it today. Um, and so, did you know this, that first, the first Corinthians is not the first letter to the Corinthians. Best we can tell, it's first Corinthians is actually, uh, the, the second letter to Christians, uh, Corinthians. We lost the first one. Uh, that second Corinthians is actually fourth Corinthians because Paul wrote a third letter that we, we too can't find. He calls it a severe letter. Uh, and so if you're not thoroughly confused, uh, let me as well explain this. That, that when you read about letters uh, in, the, in your New Testament, the epistles of Paul or the epistles of, of John or Peter, uh, what they are, they're, they're like emails. And so we're actually written, like, like Corinthians was written to a specific church to address a specific people and specific problems. And today, you know what, sometimes those problems can get pretty messy. And today is one of those messy problems. And it's why we've called this series A Beautiful Mess. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, uh, buckle up for this one. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pag- pagans, for a man has his father's wife. <laughs> Welcome to church, folks. Uh, we got a guy in Paul's church that's sleeping uh, with his stepmom. Can you say uh, Jerry Springer, right? Uh, and so uh, let's go on. Uh, let's look at verses 2 through 5. Paul goes on and he says, and you're arrogant. He says, ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved uh, in the day of the Lord. And so, once again, we're, we're kind of in this. Paul's like, hey, you need to kick this guy um, out of the church, uh, and he need to deliver him over to Satan. And you, you read that, and you're like, Paul, what are you talking about, right? And, and if, if, if I can unpack this a little bit, like, like it, it's Paul's belief, and it's really been my experience, that, you know, to, to belong to a body of believers— to belong to a church it is to provide the, like a, a semblance of a spiritual uh, protection uh, over your life and over your family's life. And Paul seems to insinuate here that, man, when you get outside of the body of Christ, now suddenly you're vulnerable to attacks. And so um, what he's not saying is, hey, if you belong to a church, uh, Satan is never going to jack with you and you're just going to be rich and healthy all the time. He's not saying that. See, what you know by, by reading the scriptures is uh, we're in a time of war, at war with the devil. Do you know that uh, the, there's only uh, f- like four chapters of peace in the Bible? <laughs> there are two chapters, uh, the first two chapters of Genesis, the last two chapters of Revelation, and the rest of this book is all about conflict. Uh, it's wartime. Uh, and so I, I think you would agree with me, though, uh, during wartime, that there's some places that are safer than others. And I would submit to you, belonging to a body of believers, the body of Christ, to a church, is the safest place you can be uh, on earth. And so um, Paul says this, give the person over uh, to Satan. Uh, I think another like practical way to, to kind of view this is he's basically saying, hey, h- h- give them over to their sin. Give them over to their sin. And so um, you and I as human beings, we have like two, two options. We can say, God thy will be done. Or we can just say, my will be done. 
And so depending on what you have, God will give you over. You want your will to be done? Then God will give you over uh, to your sin. And inevitably, it will lead to the destruction of your flesh. Because the ways of God, the standard of God, the lordship of Jesus, is what's going to lead us into human flourishing. And so I remember um, Sunday nights for me growing up was a blast. And so this might be shocking to some of you younger generation, but we didn't all have uh, phones and TV screens on our phones. We didn't have a TV uh, in our own in our room that like that wasn't a thing then. Like we had one TV in the house. And I remember on Sunday nights we would gather around as a family and we would tune into the wonderful world of Disney. <laughs> My gray heads, do you kind of remember that? And I remember I would just get so excited. Let it be a cartoon. Let it be a cartoon. And, and to my, my complete joy, I remember when Pinocchio came on. And if you remember that story, they had a little character uh, by the name of Jiminy Cricket. Do we remember him? Jiminy Cricket. And, and Jiminy Cricket, he had a song. Uh, and it was like uh, called Wish Upon a Star. star. And so uh, I'm going to sing it and kind of butcher it, but pay attention to the lyrics. Uh, he says this, when you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. I apologize for doing that. I promise we won't do it again. Uh, but did you catch that? Hey, when you wish upon a star, anything you desire, uh, it'll come to you. And do you know the voice behind Jiminy Cricket was a gentleman, a phenom by the name of Cliff Edwards. He had this amazing voice as a musician, and indeed, uh, his, his, um, his wish came true. And through his fame and his fortune, Cliff Ed- Edwards got everything he wanted, and it absolutely crushed his life. Uh, he became uh, an alcoholic, addicted to drugs. Uh, multiple failed mar- marriages. Uh, he went bankrupt. Uh, all these things. And, and see, he, he got everything he desired, and it absolutely crushed him. And so, beware, because God might be say uh, say one time, uh, "Your will be done for your life." And listen, we're not very good uh, at being us. We need to sit under the standard of God's word. And so, uh, Paul gives him over. He says, "Give him over to the uh, to Satan." And uh, I think something else this can be like like when you are out of the body of Christ, um, uh, you're alone. And listen, I, I think we would all agree with this that there's safety in numbers, wouldn't we? Like uh, intrinsic, we know, hey, there's safety and security in numbers. Uh, in fact, uh, this past week, uh, a group of pastors and I, we, we went up to uh, upstate New York, up in the Catskills, and someone had given us a place, and we, we had like a day or so of meetings up there. And, and, and it's funny, we were so in, in like isolation, I, I, I said, I was like, man, you know what, you could kill somebody up here, and no one would find out for years, right? Probably not a good thought before you go to bed. <laughs> and so, so we all go to bed. And then the silence of the night until finally the silence was shattered by this this shriek, this the scream, man. And it was terrifying so much so that, man, guys got out of the room and like, oh, oh, what was that? Like one pastor's like, oh, man, it was a demon, man. Another pastor's like, no, it was a woman's scream. One pastor's like, no, it's a, it's a screech owl, you know, or whatever. And so everyone's got all this fear and confusion. Uh, but uh, come to find out. It was Pastor Shino Prater, one of our pastors uh, on our team, and he decided it would be pretty funny to do the Scooby-Doo ghost noise uh, while guys are trying to go to sleep, okay? <laughs> but my point was this, is that, man, we, we all know intrinsically that there's security and safety in numbers. And you know what? In the context of spiritual family, 
belonging to a body of believers. You know, there's safety and security in that. I can't believe, begin to tell you how many people that, that through, they, they're going through sickness or surgeries and we gathered the church together to pray and believe for them. And, and layer upon layer of this prayer protection was covered over them. Um, there's other times that, that people were struggling with, with depression uh, or difficulty in their marriage and that there's been teams of people to, to help pull people out of their funk out of their depression, to help uh, families and, and marriages ma- navigate through difficult seasons. And it's all because you're under the protection of belonging uh, to a church. And in fact, Paul in our text here today is going to liken being removed uh, from a church body uh, to, to being removed from outside of the Passover sacrifice. And so uh, if, if you remember the 10th plague uh, in Egypt, was uh, that of the angel of death. Uh, there's, there's, uh, many theologians believe that the angel of death was actually Satan himself. But God made a way that the firstborn child uh, would be spared. And he said this, if, if you gather together in a home and, it, and you cover the door in the, in the blood of the lamb, that the death angel, uh, the, it will be forced to pass over that home. And in the same way, like, like if to be outside of that home covered in the blood of the land is to leave you vulnerable, uh, in the same way, to be outside of the body of Christ, a group of believers, uh, is to leave yourself vulnerable uh, to the, the destruction of Satan. Uh, let's go on, verses 6 through 8. Paul says this, he says, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? He says, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity uh, and truth. And so we know this, that that practicing Jews, um, they're to clean out and get all the leaven out of their home because they're they're only supposed to have unleavened bread uh, during the celebration of the Passover. And so even the threat of a little bit of leaven getting in the dough, we know this, that leaven spreads. And for the Christian, the big idea is this, we want to remove the leaven of sin from out of our life because like just a little bit of sin uh, can begin to defile our, our body and our lives and so uh, I think historically we've we've kind of illustrated it this way like we have a a guy by the name of Jimmy Flanagan. He's a, uh, one of our deacons here. And, and Jimmy, his love language is, is like cooking. And so he's, he's given, a, he give all the pastors like these, these blocks of, of brownies and they are fantastic. But, uh, but Jimmy, he keeps giving me all these brownies. I'm like, bro, don't give me any more brownies, dude. I'm getting fat, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, but, but if Jimmy was to come to me with these delicious brownies and he let me in on a little secret, he's like, bro, um, uh, a little bit of manure fell into the brownie uh, batter, uh, but I'm sure it'll be fine. I doubt you'll even be able to taste it. Here you go. <laughs> Guess what, man? I ain't eating those brownies, and you better not either, okay? And, and it, it works that way as well with sin. Like, we should never be happy. Hey, my, my life's been mostly cleaned up of sin. No, we continually battle to clean out areas uh, of our life. And uh, the bad news is this. Uh, we're going to keep cleaning our, uh, ourselves out uh, by the grace of God uh, from now until we die, until Jesus comes home <laughs> or returns, because um, we're constantly uh, going to be warring uh, against sin. And so 
I, I love actually uh, Ruth, uh, uh, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham. Do you know that uh, she highlighted this uh, on her tombstone? That, that it says this uh, on her tombstone. It says, end of construction. Thanks for your patience. And, and I so love that, that she realized, man, now I'm finally finished. Construction is complete as I'm home with the Lord. And let's look at uh, verses 9 through 12. Uh, uh, Paul goes on and he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and the swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. (laughs) I think that's pretty hysterical. Uh, He says, verse 11, but now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you uh, are to judge? And so uh, I need to make this statement clear, and I think the Bible's clear about it. Um, We as Christians, we are to love uh, the world uh, because we're like God. In John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so uh, for those outside of the body of Christ, man, we, we need to bless them. We need to serve them. We need to pray for them. And so we, we want to love the world well. But sometimes in order to love the world well, we'll have to be against the world for the sake and the good of the world. Does that make sense? And so um, please don't believe this cultural lie that's out there that, that Christians are somehow this judgmental group and that those in the world somehow they're uber uh, inclusive uh, and tolerant. <laughs> it's just not true. You're not paying attention. See, uh, the the world is tolerant uh, as long as you believe what they believe. But make no mistake of it. Just like the Christian uh, has a standard, the way he th- thinks that life works, that he needs to submit under. So to those out in the world, they have a standard. And if you don't adhere to that, uh, you're going to be attacked mocked, labeled, or even canceled, right? But as Christians, like we have, we can uh, nuance this whole thing by this, um, that, that I can disagree with someone and I can still love them, serve them, pray for them. In fact, our God commands us to do so. And so um, I, I would say this, that you know what? The world is not even looking for tolerance anymore. Uh, what it's looking for uh, is is acceptance uh, and affirmation. And as a Christ follower, listen, I, to accept the standards of this world is to deny the standards of our Lord. And so as a Christian, we can't do that. And back to my original point, it would be unloving to do so. Because if I believe that this book is, is the ways of Jesus are going to leave you to human flourishing, why would I guide you uh, any other way? And once again, if I'm going to affirm your standard, suddenly now God is no longer God. You're God. Like you get to determine uh, what's good and bad, what's right and wrong. And now we're back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so sometimes we have to stand against the world for the good of the world. Verse 13, it says this, God judges those outside, but he says, purge the evil person from among you. And so the idea is this, those outside of the body of Christ, uh, God uh, will judge and hold them accountable to the standard they chose to live by. But he says inside the church, 
it's, it's upon you and I to hold one another accountable to the standard of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so, um, listen, I've seen this go horribly wrong. Really, there's two different ditches I've seen churches fall into. The, the first one is this, is that like uh, when we talk about holding people accountable to the standard uh, of the Word of God, you get people that become the holiness police. Do we know these people? Like self-righteous, man, holier-than-thou people, always highlighting what's wrong in other people's life. And you know what I find? That, that those churches, there's this fake, veneer Christianity and there's all the secret sin going on on the inside like it's it's the, the the church of the Pharisees remember Jesus always he called them whitewashed tombs that they look good on the outside but on the inside uh, there were dead bones right and Jesus is going to have none of this holiness police mentality uh, in fact, I've told the story before, but uh, if you remember the story of uh, 23-year-old Patrick Lawler, he's a, he's a construction worker, and as he came home from work, he noticed, man, he had a terrible toothache. So it was throbbing, he tried to eat an ice cream, then took some painkillers, and nothing was uh, dulling the pain until finally, he, he actually started to get uh, blurred vision, and so he's like, I got to go to the doctor. Guy goes to the doctor, doctor shoots an x-ray, and I think we have a picture of what the doctor discovered in the x-ray. <laughs> a four-inch nail lodged uh, into his skull. Uh, see what happened? Uh, one of the nail guns had backfired, and it happened so fast, he didn't even know what happened to him. And so uh, I, I sh highlight that picture uh, to, to highlight what Jesus says in Matthew 7, because Jesus counteracts the holiness police uh, by doing this. He says, hey, why are you aware of the speck in your brother's eye and blind to the log in your own eye? Or it would be like Patrick Lawler saying, hey, bro, you got something in your teeth. Hey, well, that's good and fine, but bro, you have a four-inch nail lodged in your head. And so uh, we are, are not uh, going to be, we're going to deal with our own sin first before we start highlighting the sins in other people. And But then you can flip it the other way, where there's no standard of holiness, there's no accountability. And then I, I've seen churches do this under the guise of love, uh, never hold anybody accountable, uh, never rebuke never correct, right? And uh, hey, like, who, who, that's a redefinition of the word love. <laughs> because uh, like when I read my Bible, it says in Proverbs 13, 24, uh, it, it says this, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. I mean, no, man, my, my daddy, he loved me, man, because he would rebuke me, correct me, spank me, do all that kind of stuff. And, and, and see, it's unloving uh, to not call people out of sin and and it's and to call them back into the st God's standard and so uh, what are we going to do so we don't fall into these two ditches well here's what I'd like to do and and uh, there, there's there's three things I want to highlight today the church that we want to be here at Every Nation New Jersey and the first thing is this we want to be patient with those that are growing uh, number two that that we want to encourage those that are slowing and then we want to confront uh, those that are rebelling. And so real quickly, real briefly, I, I want to go over these. And so the first one, we want to be patient with those that are growing. And so I, I'll illustrate this way, is um, 
you know, back when I was playing in the NHL, I was part of a ministry called Hockey Ministries International. And uh, actually, another guy in the NHL gave his heart to Jesus. He was actually a, a fighter, a tough guy in the league. We'll just call him Gord. And uh, Gord, uh, he was working with me at this hockey camp, and we're teaching uh, kids how to skate and do that kind of stuff. And, and then we we share the gospel with them later in the evenings. And so, uh, but it's camp tradition that we would have a scrimmage against uh, the camp counselors. But in this particular camp, the counselors were good. And so as we're playing, like we're pros, we're supposed to be winning, and it's close. And I can see Gord getting more and more frustrated and aggravated. Till finally at one point, someone lifted the, his stick and stole the puck, and he just let out this uh, bellowing, fudge! But he didn't say fudge. <laughs> and if you could see all the campers with their eyes this big, you know, and it's like, what did he just say? And he apologized, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> And so I tell that story, I was like, listen, man, we, we didn't slam him for doing that. He was, he was a baby Christian. You know, the scriptures say even, you're born again. And, and this guy's learning uh, how to speak uh, the way Christians speak, right? And so I, I hope when you're training up your kids, you're not like just so you expect them to act like they're 20 when they're two weeks old. Like uh, when we're teaching our kids how to walk, right? They, they take two steps and fall. You're not like, seriously? Two steps, give me a break. I mean, the dog, I can get the dog to walk more than two steps, right? You, you, you know, you make me sick. <laughs> you don't do that, or at least I hope you don't do that. No, man, we celebrate the steps, not the falls. And so those that are, that are beginning to grow in Jesus, man, we need to celebrate uh, the steps. And, but I, I will uh, put a small disclaimer uh, uh, on that idea with this. If your kid's 30 years old, and still can't eat with a fork and spoon, but they're mashing food into their face, still sucking their thumb, and they got their blankie, there's a problem, right? In the same way spiritually, man, if you've been walking with God, and yet there's no transformation, no maturity, we got a problem, all right? So the first one is be patient with those that are growing. The second one is we encourage those who are slowing. And so uh, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I know you would agree with me with this. Man, sanctification, uh, it's a marathon, and not a sprint, because man, I like I, I've been uh, a Christian for 41 years, and and I just thought I would be so much further along. <laughs> like I thought, I'm like Lord, when is the finish line? When can I say I've arrived? It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Adam. <laughs> no, I, I'm just I'm not there yet, man. And so um uh so we want to encourage those that are getting tired in their sanctification and in their battle and struggle uh, against sin. And so uh, the, the big idea, I think, is this, is, is, is we, want to, uh, we want to call people up, and then occasionally we might have to call people out. Call people up to who God's called them to be and who they want to be, and occasionally we might have to confront and call people out on their sin. And so, but, but mainly I want, to, I want to be an encourager, man, and I hope you do as well. You know, it's funny, uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, in his uh, book, classic book, Mere Christianity, he talks about beauty and the beast. I don't know why I'm a beauty and the beast kick here this morning, but, but he talks about beauty and the beast and this idea that, that there was a, a woman who loved a beast as if he was a man. And you know what? Eventually he became that. And in the same way, as we begin to encourage people uh, and set before them, hey man, this is who God's called you to be. As we call them up, I promise you, man, they're going to they're gonna get there eventually as we encourage them along the way. In fact, the, the book of Hebrews, um, it, it's actually a book uh, for people that are discouraged and they're ready to quit 
uh, in their in their Christian faith. And so, so the author of Hebrews says this: Hey, let's encourage one another daily, while it's called today. And so, uh, listen, uh, I look at my watch today and I found out it's today. So I'm going to encourage you. <laughs> and so we should be a, a, the biggest cheerleaders for one another in the body of Christ. And then and thirdly and lastly is this. Uh, we confront those who are rebelling. We confront those who are rebelling. And so, do you know uh, what, what Paul's speaking about in 1 Corinthians 5 is there is an individual who, who wasn't struggling against sin. In fact, they had embraced their sin. And they're like, man, I don't care what God, the Bible says, or what you say, Paul, I'm going to do what I want to do. And it's those people that we are to confront with the word of God and the standard, right? And so um, uh, Jesus is going to give us a blueprint on how to confront uh, individuals uh, in the church. And so if you look with me in Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 15 through 17, Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Uh, If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Or in other words, an outsider. They're not a part of the body of Christ, uh, the body of believers. And so did you notice, uh, so, so Jesus' idea here is, is these concentric circles. And so you, you, someone sins or sins against you, what you go to them face to face, right? But if they still, if they don't repent, then what? You, you widen the circle, two or three witnesses. And if that still doesn't work, you widen the circle again to the church. And the church not meaning you announce it to everybody on a Sunday morning, but rather you go to the church leaders and the church elders uh, that they can deal uh, with this individual. And, and here's kind of like the, the, the heart behind this. It's not punitive, not trying to stick it to somebody, but rather it's redemptive. It's the hopes that as someone is removed out of fellowship, that they will, will repent and come back to God and be restored back into fellowship. And here's the great news. The person that was like sleeping with a stepmom, uh, as he was put out of fellowship, we see that he eventually, he would repent. And we find out in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that now Paul appeals to the church, now restore him, forgive him, be, bring him back into fellowship. It's like Jesus knows what he's doing, right? And so we see the blueprint on how to confront individuals. And so I think I'm going to land the plane this morning uh, with this. This is, this is who I want every nation in New Jersey to be. That, that in, uh, every nation in New Jersey is a place where it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to be okay with not being okay. Okay? <laughs> Don't make me say that again. And let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for this time in and around your word. Lord, this morning I want to thank you for the standard of your word. And Lord, I pray that, that we would be a people... Uh, of the word, Lord, that we would see the standard that you give to us to live, Lord, that we would we would embrace it, and that our lives would flourish, and that we would indeed be the light of the world. We thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, listen, Every Nation New Jersey, our, uh, our sermon's done uh, over, but we're, we're not quite finished, And because I'd like to remind you that, that you can be, remain faithful in your tithing, in your giving, uh, in your support uh, of our church here at Every Nation New Jersey, and so there's three ways you can uh, give. Number one, you can go to our website, 
encnj.org and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. Uh, my family and I give this way. It's, it's a very convenient, fast way to give. Uh, if you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977. Uh, or lastly, you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you uh, and, and provide for you as you're faithful in your giving. Every nation, Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.